So welcome to the Global Discussion, discussions with creatives, leaders and thinkers. My name is Simon Hodgkins. Today, delighted to be joined by Victoria Salmon. Uh, Victoria, you're very welcome to the podcast. Let's begin by asking you to let our international audience know all about the world of Victoria Salmon, Ooh. the books, <laughs> the journey. So over to you, Victoria. The world of, that makes it sound terribly dramatic, doesn't it? Um, well, let's drill it down and, and we can talk about my books. Let's talk about the world of my book, shall we? That's a bit easier. Um, I started off as a series writer. I have um, a series uh, featuring an ex-Special Forces criminal profiler called Zeba McKenzie, and there are three books in that series. So really started off fascinated um, by the workings of the criminal psyche and very much inspired by books like Mindhunter, which is something of a Bible for me. I mean, certainly kickstarted my interest in, um, in that aspect of crime fiction and uh, criminals as well, of course. Um, my latest novel is Truly Darkly Deeply, which came out in July last year. And it takes a slightly different look, actually, at serial killers, because the hero, in inverted commas, of the novel isn't a killer at all, but rather the victim. So it explores the serial killer's legacy through the eyes of his daughter. And the novel opens with her receiving a letter from him from prison saying he's dying and he wants to meet. So he's been in prison for 20 years. He's been arrested. We know that right at the beginning of the book. But she's always had doubts about whether or not he really did it. Um, and these doubts have haunted her for, for 20 years. And it looks like she might finally get the answers to the questions that have um, plagued her all this time. But of course, uh, it's a novel, so it's never easy for, for our protagonist. And in this case, of course, the real question is, will the truth set her free or will it bury her deeper? So it's hopefully very suspenseful. Um, but the, um, like I said, the main focus for me was the victims. I want to take the spotlight away from the killer. And my latest novel is uh, coming in September. Although I say my upcoming novel is going to be released in September. We've just uh, put the cover reveal on Twitter actually today, hours before chatting to you actually, Simon. And it's called All the Little Liars. And rather like Truly Darkly Deeply, it also explores the ripple effect of crime. And also like Truly Darkly Deeply, it's very much inspired by true crime. My goodness, you are busy, Victoria. I am uh, busy. We're all busy, right? <laughs> that, that's wonderful. And it's great to hear about the new, uh, the new writing. And also going back to things like Blood for Blood, Nothing to Lose, Snakes and Ladders. Yeah. Um, there is, yeah. You, you obviously graduated from Oxford University, right? And then I know you did some creative writing after that as well. Yes. Um, where does this genre come from? Why the interest in this area? What, what gets you sort of passionate about this particular topic and, uh, you know, producing these wonderful books? Oh, thank you. Well, thank you for describing them that way. And it's a great question. I think, um, I mean, like I said, my interest in the criminal psyche was very much kicked off by books like Mind they're looking at profiling, looking at how, what makes people tick, what makes people monsters. I mean, this idea that monsters walk amongst us and they're not Disney villains. You can't look at people and know if they're good or evil. And then, of course, the question, is there even evil? Where does evil come from? So those were all questions that were going around in my head, probably because of the books I read. Um, but my more recent preoccupation is not so much the offenders as the victims, like I said to you before. And putting myself into their shoes, looking at the ripple effect of terrible crimes, how people get past them, what it means for the victim telling the victim story, because all too often we don't hear that. 
And for me, with Truly Darkly Deeply, I was interested in the fact that um, there have been many books written about inverted commas, the serial killer's wife, but it struck me that very little had been written from the perspective of a child. And that, as a mother myself, that really interested me. And it, it made me wonder how having an association with somebody who was a killer would affect you growing up, how it would inform your development, how you could ever move past it, how you could live with the guilt, because you would have guilt. Why did you not realise if you had realised sooner would lives have been spared? Um, were you, you know, were you somehow at fault? How do, how do you get past that? How do you move on? Um, because that's the theme of my books as well. I like to, um, I don't write uplift, obviously. Nobody writes about serial killers can be writing uplift. But I like to write books where there is hope um, and where is there the possibility for redemption. And um, so for my protagonist, Sophie, in Truly Darkly Deeply, there's very much that aspect as well. How, how do you move on? Can you move on? How do you move on? Yeah, thanks, uh, Victoria. And, um, you know, whether it is uh, the written word in terms of books or whether it's the script for movies or whether it's the latest Netflix series or TV series, mm. This particular genre is really big globally. And it, yeah, it, is, it is refreshing to hear you coming at it through this new lens almost, you know? Yeah. Uh, and that must really resonate with the readers because it's like a slightly different lens to what people are traditionally served up in this area, yeah, correct? I agree. And I think too often, actually, um, Patricia Cornwall read my book, read Truly Darkly Deeply, and she said what she liked was that I didn't celebrate a killer. That was her expression. I think I've pinched it now when I when I described the book. Um, but it, I think, and it, it wasn't almost until that moment I realised actually how many books do celebrate the killer, as you're saying, and, you know, paint the serial killer as some, you know, otherworldly kind of creature and often very intelligent and almost reveling in the gore and the detail and the strangeness of the crimes. And I thought, I don't want to do that because actually these people are not special. They're mediocre. That's why they're killers. They're socially inadequate. They cannot function in society other than by putting other people down. And that's not something to celebrate. Yeah, 100%. And I, so I really like that. And I want to ask you, if I can, a little bit about your writing approach and your writing style, because I know it, it can differ from author to author. And obviously, when you're working on Truly Dark Deeply or the um, All the Little Stars, the All, all the Little, little liars. liars, sorry, All the Little Liars. <laughs> No yeah. pun intended, all the little liars, not stars, you know, we're focused on it. Through yes, exactly. Um, how do you go about writing at this stage? Because obviously you're an accomplished, experienced author. Oh. You're published. Um, do you have a routine? Is there a set amount of words per day that you work to? How does that work for you, Victoria? Everyone's different, aren't they? And I think that's really, really interesting. There is no fixed way of doing things. It's about what works for you. So what works for me is... Um, I start off with an idea and it comes to me. Oftentimes it just comes randomly like a light bulb moment and it's not fully formed. It can be a sentence, a what if question. Uh, so in the case of Truly Darkly Deeply, what if your father were a serial killer? Just that, right? Um, and then I, I do what my friend Dom Nolan calls, uh, what's it? he has a lovely expression, uh, per was it brewing nebulously? That's what he says. So I brew my idea nebulously. I just think on it. I just, you know, just carry the idea and I don't consciously try and work on it. It just, it just brews. And when I'm ready, um, I sit down and I write an outline and I don't mean chapter by chapter, but I write a skeleton of the book, a roadmap, so to speak. Um, 
and when I'm ready and when I'm happy with the roadmap, because that then gives me an idea if it's a story that's going to have legs, if it's got the shape is right. And I spend a while working on this outline and tweaking it. And then I start writing. And I always say that I know where I'm going because I have the roadmap, but I don't always know the pit stops along the way. So there might be a nice view I'm getting out to, to admire. I'm getting into a character's voice and the character's going to be directing. I want to take this turn. Actually, this is where I want to loiter for a little bit. Um, so I know, I know the plot very much and I know the beginning and I know the ending, I know the middle. I mean, I don't ever have a problem with what they call a saggy middle because I know the story so well. It's not like I'm just, you know, ambling along, wondering where it's going. Um, so, so I write it and it's not like I have a set number of words a day. I sit down until my, <laughs> my back gets sore from sitting and then I get up and I or I go for whatever, and then I come back and I sit some more. I have children, so I fit my writing around the school day. So I start work when I drop them off and I finish when I pick them up. And school holidays are not great writing times for me, but that's good too, because I think with writing, you also have to pause and let your words settle on the page and come back to them and make sure they're breathing in the right way. Um, so there's a lot of tweaking, a lot of editing, a lot of doubting myself. And then I send it to my agents and I hit send and 10 seconds later, when he hasn't responded, I'm convinced it's a disaster and that's it. And I'm never going to write again. And then at some point he writes back to me and he says, it's great. And I'm like, oh, is he sure? Is he really sure? And you, all that doubt that plagues us all. And he will then send it to my publisher and we will work on it together. And ultimately becomes the book that's on the shelves. Thank you, Victoria. And I love that in terms of the roadmap and that sort of story arc skeleton that you've kind of got sketched out initially, which can come from, as you say, in the way that you work, that just simple question or one idea, and then that yeah. sort of roadmap comes together. Just, yes. just going back to what you said about the pit stops, though, mm -hmm. do you are you off doing something else and you're thinking about the pit stops or is it when you're actually in the zone of I'm writing? It's when yeah. I'm actually writing it because that's when the magic's really happening. You yeah. know you're that, but you know, even with a roadmap, you haven't got the voice quite right of the characters. You have to live that inside the novel before you can really get that. And when you know the character, like knowing yourself, you they might behave slightly differently to the way you'd expect it. So you have to be open to that, I think. What do you love about what you do, Victoria? I love telling stories. I just, I'm so grateful that that's what I get to do for my job is I just get to tell people stories. And, you know, when you tell other people stories, you get to tell yourself stories too. And that's really lovely. I wrote my um, Truly Darkly Deeply was written in lockdown, actually. And that was one of the gifts, actually, for me of writing was that I, do you remember we were all shut up in our, in our houses and we could go out for what, one hour at a time and you know, it gets very boring staring at the same walls. My son said it was like living in a cardboard box, you know, because it's the same thing all the time. You get very fed up with it. But as a writer, you get to open a window and you get to go out into the world. And admittedly, my world was, was populated by a serial killer and, and multiple victims. But um, <laughs> it was another world nonetheless. Um, and by the way, I should say it's not gory. That's the other thing, of course, because it's not about the killer. So you'll notice from Truly Darkly Deeply, there's no blood in it. It's, it doesn't matter if you're squeamish. I'm, I'm quite squeamish myself. And it's it's not something you have to worry about because the book is not his story. So you hear about the crimes, but not in that level of detail. So I guess it was okay to open my window onto them in that respect. Very good. I like that. And how, obviously it was sort of through lockdown that afforded you the time to spend on that series, but mm. how long did it take you to sort of pen those three books? Well, they're different. Every book is different. And, yeah. you know, I used to think that a book that took a long time to write, did that mean it was a less good book? 
And I think it doesn't. It's just some books work differently. Some books flow differently. Truly, Darkly, Deeply just flowed right out of me. I just, it was a joy to write from start to finish. Other books have taken longer and they've been more fiddly. You know, I mean, being a writer is a bit like being a magician, certainly a writer of crime fiction. You know, you have smoke and mirrors and you're doing sleight of hand all the time because you have to give your reader the chance to solve whatever the puzzle is, but also you don't want them to solve whatever the puzzle is. You've got to play fair. So you've got to show them everything, but also you've got to get them to look in the wrong way. And so some books, um, you just have to work harder at that, I think, because maybe, well, for whatever reason, the story is just different. But that doesn't mean they're less good books. And can I ask you, just looking at it from the other side of the coin, yeah. uh, were there any areas where, I don't mean, you know, sending it off to the agent and crossing your fingers and then panicking a few hours later because you've heard yeah, seconds, that. seconds later, Simon. Yeah, seconds <laughs> later. Um, I don't mean that. I mean, have have you experienced any challenges in, in the process or any, any area oh. where you've really had to go back and rethink about uh, something in particular in terms of the way that you approach the books or any sort of challenges that you've experienced in this sort of environment of writing and producing these books yeah we all have challenges I guess and and I've had challenges both professionally and also in the actual writing so I had one point where um I had to switch agents agent um it wasn't the relationship wasn't working anymore and that's very difficult you know because that's the first person's champion your first book so to be able to recognize it's not right and to walk away is a scary thing to do but I'm delighted I did it because I love my new agent. I couldn't have hoped for a better one. And, you know, he found me the publisher that I absolutely love as well. So it worked. Um, and in terms of writing, I think there are constant challenges. You know, constant doubts is, is this book good enough? Which is great, by the way. Doubt is a good thing because it makes you push yourself more. I think the minute we're not doubting and questioning ourselves is when we're getting too comfortable and we're not trying hard enough. We're not digging deep enough. Um, I've had books where it wasn't working and I had to figure out how to make it work. And it's been better for that. But at the time, it's dreadful because you're worrying. What if I can't do it? So I think I'm quite a glass half full person. And even if in the moment I'm not feeling the glass is half full, I think when I look back on it and I see the challenges and the problems, everything that's not been good has turned out to be a blessing in disguise. It's worked out for the right way, I think. Yeah, no, I really like that. Thanks for sharing that insight, Victoria. Um, I'd also like to ask our guests a few questions about themselves and yeah. uh, find out a little bit more about the way they think, the way they operate. And one of the questions I'd like to ask is about learning styles and how you onboard information yourself. Yeah. So obviously you're immersed in this world, uh, but how do you, you know, as a writer, do you read an awful lot yourself? Yeah. Uh, do you like audio books? Do you watch YouTube videos? Are you scouring the internet for news articles? How does that sort of onboarding of information work for you in today's world? It's, I think today's world is the key, isn't it? Because there is so much information out there. I hate audiobooks, actually. A lot of people love them. I um, They like to, to listen to them when they're running or whatever. For me, when I go, I, I walk, I don't run. I love to walk. Um, but I love the silence. That's kind of when I think it's almost like when my brain lets go and I go in different directions. And I, I have kids, so my house is always no, noisy. So it's always quite nice to actually have nothing to hear. Um, but so I don't listen to audiobooks. I read, I read huge amounts. Um, I love television, good television. I think teachers writers a lot, especially that Royal Dell quote about throw your TV set away, I think is nonsense. I think there's so much we learn about pace and getting a character in quickly and the use of dialogue. I, I, I love dialogue, I love white space on a page. 
And I think television and film teaches us how to do that. Suspense, obviously, it teaches us as well. I mean, Hitchcock was um, director of film, so obviously that's that medium works. And and I love I love to make my writing as visual as possible. So when I write, it's almost like I'm seeing, I'm I'm describing what I'm seeing happening, and um, I hope that then I'm able to to get that sense on the page as well. People people say the books are quite filmic when they read them. That it feels like that kind of thing, and I think that's that's learning from TV and film as well. Um, do I read the internet? Yeah, I I don't scour the internet for ideas, but uh, my books are really inspired by true crime. So in that respect, I'm I'm always looking up different bits. I I research as I write often. So you know I want to use a an article. I have a lot of real media in my books. So I'll be looking and seeing what else has been written and how and what's the style and what kind of, you know, I love to throw little um, Easter eggs in for true crime fans into my books as well. So that obviously is from the internet too. So a little bit of everything, I think. That's really, really good. I love the Easter eggs being sort of thrown in (laughs) for those true uh, crime fan aficionados, you know, that's wonderful. Um, Yeah. And uh, I love what you also say as well about the way the books feel. They they sort of feel filmic, you know. They they have that sort of flow and that feel, and it's quite often, isn't it, when you read a good book and a well written book, yeah, it's better than watching the visual. Sometimes, you know, the the sort of images yeah. that you conjure can be yes. very significant. Well, I think so because you're you're using your imagination, so you're always going to be able to do more in your imagination than you can do, you know, when you're restricted with a camera. Um, and I think as well the difference possibly between film and books between film and books is you have you have to plant what's in your head into somebody else's head but there's also the filter about whatever is in their head to begin with so you can have an idea about your character and you you might picture them in your head unless you've described them literally as one thing but your reader might think they're completely different so I love that I love that the reader can interpret what I'm writing and, and run with it and be right because yeah. You know, they are right, whatever they come up with. And the medium of the physical book as well, just to just to pause on that for a second. Yeah. And and not audiobook. I, I like audiobooks. I love physical books, but I love physical books too. There's something magical, and I've said this on a, on another episode when I was talking to another author or a publisher actually. There is something magical about holding a book because you can't be doing anything else you're totally immersed it's not like you're saying you can't be running and holding a book well yes, of course you can but it's not the same and even tv today you find yourself yeah. picking up the mobile or the smart device yes or getting flicking distracted. the zapper or getting some yeah. getting it you know putting the kettle on or getting something yeah. to eat or yes it's not an immersive fully engaged experience yes. and yet the physical book this sort of format that we've had for a long long time yeah really has undivided attention doesn't it absolutely and i love it as well the the literal the connection you are literally connected aren't you to to the words through your hands through your you know like yeah there's no break yeah i I think you're absolutely right i love that way of looking at it love that victoria yeah Uh, the next question i want to ask you is about throughout your journey Mm-hmm. And this this sort of career path that you have, you must have people that you look up to. You mentioned another author earlier on, but the yeah. people that you admire, that inspire you, that maybe give you a helping hand. When I ask you that kind of question, what springs to mind? I'm very lucky. I have very good friends who um, are also writers and we've all supported each other along the way. And I think having that network um, is huge. You know, people that understand you in a way nobody else really can. 
you know, because it's such a it's such a solitary process and to be able to engage with other people who get it is is incredible. So my friends are my biggest support and the, my biggest source of inspiration. Um, I'm inspired by other writers who have written. I mean, I've talked about Mindhunter and I actually um, I have a podcast on, I think, you know, on Crime Time FM. And I've interviewed Mark Olshaker, who's, of course, the author of Mindhunter. And he was a hero of mine. And to be able to speak to him and, and discuss that all with him, that was amazing. Uh, books, novels have inspired me. So I'm just the Lambs, the, you know, the Thomas Harris books, brilliant. Uh, other, you know, so many, so many people inspire me. Um, supporters, Jeffrey Deaver is an author I've met recently who really enjoyed Truly Darkly Deeply and has been a wonderful supporter of mine. And that's, that's been phenomenal because of course he is also such a wonderful author in his own right, someone who's been writing for so long. So. I think different different sources of inspiration. Um, yeah. Yeah, and no, some great names, and great to have that sort of. I find with 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 writers, there is a real vibrant, helpful community out there, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's amazing. It's wonderful, and one people can tap into. You know, I think it's not closed. So going to festivals is a great way to meet other writers. It's how I first met some of my really really good friends. You connect with them. Twitter, funny enough, I mean social media. We all many ways lambast it but twitter can be wonderful in terms of i mean i've just made friends on twitter other writers who i've not actually met in person and you meet them finally and it's like you're chatting like you've known them forever and you're like we've never actually met face to face have we and there's that moment of oh it's that weird and yet you know each other so it's terribly easy you just start conversations or get into conversations and people are terribly welcoming yeah, it is funny how t in today's world you can bump into somebody at a festival yeah. and realise that you've never actually met them in real life, but yeah. you feel like you know each other, and yet it's you like, can meet somebody that you do know in real life yes. and not be as close to them. It's kind of yeah, a little bit mixed up, funny. isn't it? Yeah, 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 it's weird. And I think maybe that's the thing about books is because it's such a passion, isn't it, reading? And when you bond over a love of a book, it's it's a very special bond. No, absolutely, 100%. And what about advice? You must, at this stage, have good advice for people that want to get into writing or are in writing and maybe hitting a bit of a block or struggling a little bit or not getting the cut through or not finding an agent or not being able to get published. What advice do you have, whether it's life or business or related to writing, for our audience today? You know what, actually, a bit of advice, and it's something it took me a while to do. People always say, oh, you know, be persistent, keep going, keep going. And I think that's right to an extent. I think persistence is obviously vital, but there's that Einstein quote that I'm going to completely misquote now, where he says something like, the definition of madness is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. So I think it's a bit of a mashup between the two, is you be persistent, believe in yourself. But if you're not getting the results, be honest with yourself about maybe why and be prepared to change the way you're going about things. Yeah, no, I think that's really valuable, isn't it? Because sometimes you can persist and persist and persist, but you, it's the wrong thing. It needs to be slightly changed a little bit. Great. Yeah. Be flexible too. I think. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Victoria. That's great advice. And the other thing I wanted to ask you is about most people involved in writing mm -hmm. uh, are voracious about what they want to be working on, and they've probably got three or four different drafts in a drawer somewhere. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, what are you looking forward to over the next sort of six, 12 months? How do you plan your work? What's on your horizon? I have this thing, actually, where when I'm in the middle of a draft, 
I will not allow myself to think about anything else. I have to completely swim in the thing I'm working on. Otherwise, I'm too distracted. I'm not involved enough. Uh, so I've just now, I told you we've, um, we've done the cover reveal for All the Little Liars, which is coming out in September. So I finally finished the edits on that. And now I'm beginning to allow myself to let my brain wander. And it's wandering and it's lovely. And I've got ideas, um, other stories I want to tell. And I'm just in that brilliant blank space. I can't speak blank page space. There's a tongue twister for you, um, where anything is possible. And I haven't butchered my idea yet by putting it on paper because it's never quite the same, is it? When you when you put it on paper, it's always in your head. Um, and it's all just possible and it's lovely and it's all fizzy and delicious. So that's where I am right now. You're enjoying that little intermission a little bit, I think. Uh, yeah, the intermission where ideas begin to brew again. Yeah. That's where I am. And I love the term, you know, you don't allow yourself, you know, you have to swim in the ocean yeah. where you are right now. I love yeah. that. Uh, that's yeah. really, really helpful. Um, and I suppose as we come towards the end of our time together, there's a couple of extra questions I want to squeeze in. One is, uh, is there any other area that you're involved in that maybe we haven't talked about today or anything that you want to re-emphasize to our worldwide audience? And secondly, and really importantly, if people want to connect, reach out, find out more about the books, the podcasts and everything that you're doing, where's the best place to send people to, Victoria? Um, well, I'm on Twitter, so I'm at Victoria Selman, so that's very easy. Um, I have a website, which is uh, victoriaselmanauthor.com. So that's always places to find out about me and what I'm doing and to engage. I love to hear from readers and writers. Um, and what else is there to tell you about me? Well, I write, obviously. I, um, I host a podcast. So my show is called On the Sofa with Victoria, and it's on Crimetime FM. And every fortnight, I interview a panel of guests, uh, household names, rising stars, people within the industry, about different trends and themes in crime fiction, everything from serial killers to series fiction. Um, and we've been running for, what, about two years now. And it's been great. It's been really wonderful. We're about to um, partner up with the CWA for the Daggers, uh, which I'll be presenting with Barry Forshaw in, ooh, in July. So uh, that will be something I'm looking forward to. And um, what else am I doing? That's that's probably pretty much it. I am. Um, that sounds I like that sounds like a, a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it is a lot, but it's great. It keeps me, you know, it means I'm not just writing in my little cave. I'm also chatting to people, which I love to do as well. Yeah. What do you like about the podcast medium? Because you're a couple of years into that now, and it's you know it's yeah. very well received. What do, what do you like about podcasting? I love. Well, I don't know if you find this. I love being able to connect with people. Um, that I wouldn't otherwise be connecting with. You know, I used to go to festivals to meet people. That was my way of meeting them. That's the only chance really I had of meeting people I didn't already know. Whereas now I get to meet people all the time on the podcast and I create wonderful new connections and I hear their stories and I dissect things that interest me with them. Um, and I've had some amazing guests and, you know, to be able to have, I had um, Ian Rankin and Val McDermott and else we had recently, David Bardacci came on the other day. And so some really, really great guests talking about topics that I find absolutely fascinating. I mean, what's not to love about that, right? <laughs> it sounds wonderful. It's, it really is, it really is great. I encourage people to go and check out Victoria's podcast. Thank and look, you. Victoria, that brings us nicely to the end of our discussion today here on the Global Discussion. So thanks to everybody who's watching, listening, 
uh, to this podcast around the world. I'd like you to like it, subscribe, follow, do all the things I need you to do to help support this podcast. And of course, Victoria's podcast. Uh, ah. And I hope that you join me back here for some more discussions with creatives, leaders and thinkers. But thank you, Victoria. It's been thank really you. nice and wonderful to catch up with you today. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me on your show. Thank you.